there last night. They've had a good group, and uh, my wife's enjoyed teaching them each night. And so, uh, go ahead, Kale. <laughs> Kale told me that the very first time I met Kale, he said, my name's Kale, just like the vegetable, in case you have any questions. And so, I told him, I said, Kale's a superfood, you know that? So, uh, it was good to meet a lot of folks, and I just want to say uh, thank you to the church, thank you to Pastor Springer. Thank you to the Four Acres for just letting us come in and just set up shop for the week with our trailer back here, and uh, we've enjoyed our time, and uh, we're just very grateful. You guys have been very uh, hospitable to us and generous to us, and we just thank you so much, and uh, it's just a real privilege. Uh, Back at the turn of the century, there was a preacher's fellowship up north. They would have it every year in a place called Winona Lake, and uh, they started it one year, and it was just almost like a family camp. They got together several preachers and pastors, and they would get together for just about a week of singing and preaching and just, just taking some time off of the road and away from their home ministries. And, and, uh, and one, one evening, the meeting got started, and the gentleman that was moderating, he stood up and said, gentlemen, we're in trouble. We only have at least three, only have 3,000 evangelists traveling the circuit in this country. And so uh, I can't tell you 30 or 300, maybe there are, and so as an evangelist, I'm glad to have a place to preach and appreciate Pastor Springer letting us come in. And it's been a really, really good, good week for us. And so how many of you found something good to eat tonight? Wow, that was amazing. There are some church fellowships you go to and they're good. And there are some church fellowships you go to and they're really good. And so that was a really good one. The banana pudding I had, I don't know who made it. It doesn't really matter. But, uh, but when you eat a banana pudding like that, you need to wear two pairs of socks when you come to the fellowship. You know why? Because one of them's going to get knocked off. And so it was delicious. And so thank you so much and appreciate your prayers. Uh, did I tell you Philippians chapter 4? Okay, sorry, Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I'd appreciate your prayers for our family. Tomorrow morning we'll leave and head up. Uh, to the northwest corner of the state, northwest Georgia, right up where Tennessee and North Carolina and Georgia come together, a little town called Blairsville. We'll be preaching the services there on Sunday, and then we'll be in our home church just for about three days. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday we'll be in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's just south of Nashville. And then we'll be in a little town on Saturday. A week from, week from this Saturday we'll start a meeting in a little town called Red Oak, Iowa, and it's just over by Omaha, Nebraska. And so we're going to make our way up the country, and I checked the weather. It's still in the 30s in, in, in that part of the country, and so I'm hoping it's going to warm up a little bit. But we'd appreciate your prayers, and uh, we're glad to be traveling, and the Lord's been good to our family, and we're just so thankful. All right, Philippians chapter number 4, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get uh, right into the message. All right, let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we come to you again, and we're so grateful. We're so grateful for sweet fellowship, and, uh, and I pray that, Lord... As uh, the service is closed tonight, I pray that, Lord, you'd still work. Uh, Lord, your word still has power, and uh, it's going to be preached and taught here, uh, Lord, this coming Sunday. And I pray that folks would be faithful and, uh, and just be in their place. And I pray that, Lord, you continue to teach us and guide us. And, Lord, if there's still relationships that need to be mended between spouses, maybe between church members, uh, Lord, I pray that you would open up those doors and help those relationships to be mended and, uh, and I pray that, Lord, your spirit would just continue to work mightily, and I pray that you'd use this church, and I pray the de- best days of Rican Baptist Temple aren't in the past, but are in the future. And I pray that you'd give wisdom and liberty, and Lord, we thank you for all that you do, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
uh, when I was in the military, I was in an artillery unit, and I talked to Steve. Steve knows about artillery, and I talked to Mr. Wendell, and Mr. Wendell was the 13 Echo. That's fire direction, and that's what I did. And, uh, and we would be in the field all the time. They call it field artillery, you know. And I didn't know that you were going to be in the woods all the time. I mean, you're in the woods all the time. You don't even come out. And we'll go to the woods for two or three or four weeks at a time, and we just shoot and move and shoot and move, and that's just the way it is. And, uh, and you don't have really any downtime uh, when you're in field exercises. Even when you don't have anything else to do, you got stuff to do. And so we called it Preventative Maintenance Checks and Services, PMCS. And so what you would do if, if, if all of the, the action just kind of cooled down for a little bit, well, you'd start greasing your tracks checking your batteries, the fluid, you know, checking your oil, and, and you were just looking for stuff to fix before it broke, and so you were always doing something like that. Well, tonight's message is going to kind of be a little bit preventative, and I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. This is Wednesday night, and, uh, and I appreciate your faithfulness, but this will be a little bit uh, preventative. How many of you have heard of the Beatitudes? Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Well, tonight's message is called the Beatitudes of a Good Church Member. The Beatitudes of a Good Church Member. And, uh, and we're going to start right in chapter 4, and we're going to read a couple of verses. We're going to be in a few different places tonight. But I want you to notice with me what the Scripture says. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved... Now, the Apostle Paul is the human author, and the book of Philippians, it's really a detailed thank you letter. They took care of some needs that he had and they went above and beyond in their giving so other churches could be helped and the gospel could go forth. And it's initially a thank you letter and there's some great themes to it. But when you read verse 1, notice his words. He says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, you would almost think that the Apostle Paul loved ministering to people. Wouldn't you get that? And, uh, and it just comes out in everything that he does. By the way, if you're, you're not in a mindset or you don't have a heart to minister to others, you know what? You're not right with the Lord. You're not right with the Lord. And so, and so here he is. He says, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my heart or my joy, my crown, uh, st- so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He says in verse 2, I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So what's he making an appeal for? Unity. Uh, can I tell you, unity in a local church doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't. It has to be worked for or maintained. And you know, you know whose job it is to maintain the unity at Rinkin Baptist Temple. You say that's Brother Springer and that's Pastor Fouracre. Well, they're a part of it, but you know who has a major part? You. And, uh, and Paul makes an appeal for unity in the church members, and you ought to strive and work hard for unity. Now, this isn't really part of the message. This is just a, a little side note. You say, well, how can I maintain unity? Well, when somebody comes up to you and they begin to say things about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, a problem that they have with them, you know what you say? Hey, let's go talk to them. Have you talked to them about it? Matthew chapter 18 says, If you have aught with your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go, tell, go talk to your brother and tell it to him between him and you alone. And so that creates unity. And so if somebody comes by you and wants to dump off their trash in your ears, whether it's something about the pastor or a staff member, you say, hey, let's go talk to so-and-so about it. I'll tell you what that'll do. That'll help maintain unity in this church. Notice he says in verse number 3, 
He says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And it's kind of interesting to me. You see there, there's a word that's repeated, at least a form of it. It's repeated two times. Now, if God says something once, it's important. If he says it more than once, it's really, really important. And what's the word or the similar word that's used twice in that verse? Labored or laborers. And so the first beatitude of a good church member, get it, blessed are the industrious. Blessed are the industrious. You say, what, what are you talking about? I've learned this, I'm learning this, I'm learning this, the longer I'm in the ministry. You know what the ministry is? It's work. It's a lot of work. None of it comes easy. And you say, well, we got a staff, we hired them to do the work. No, the staff here is to help you and to encourage you and to edify you so you can do the work of the ministry. But everybody has a part in this ministry and it's work. It really is uh, work. And so uh, it's very interesting. We ought to be industrious. And it's really easy just to let things go by. Like maybe you say, well, you know, there's trash all over the field out there. Well, you know, if you see trash on the field and, and you're physically able and you're the one to see it, maybe you're the one that ought to go pick it up. And sometimes we're waiting on the next person to come by and do a job. Well, I'm learning this. If God puts something on my radar, maybe he wants me to take care of it. And so the beatitude number one are, is blessed are the industrious. Now, I've shared a couple of illustrations. I was in uh, the military when I was 17 years old. My mother, she talked to a recruiter, and I think she said this, make it sound good. He made it sound phenomenal, man. I, you know, you like shooting guns. Yeah, yes, sir. You like this. You like that. You like to eat. Man, they're going to feed you good. And I was about 128 pounds when I was 17 years old. He said, man, you're going to go to boot camp, and uh, you're going to come out there a lean, mean fighting machine. You like to throw hand grenades. Never threw one. Well, you'll love it. And so all these different things. He told me all of the good things about boot camp, and that was really just about 5%. The rest of it was really miserable. And, uh, and I can remember going to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and I was in reception for about a week, and I thought that was boot camp. I was just that green. I thought when you got your uniforms and got your hair cut, it took a few days, and they give you all of your shots. You're like a dog, you know, you get shots in both arms and shots all over the place, and they dress you and they feed you, and uh, you go back to the barracks and you hang out for the next round, and I thought that was boot camp. And, uh, and I can remember after chow one day, there was a fella I was sitting beside, and the drill instructor came into the pavilion, and he said, I need two volunteers. I need two volunteers right now. Who's got a driver's license? And would you believe about 50 or 60 privates, man, everybody's hand launched into the air. Driver's license? I thought, man, I can drive a Humvee. I can drive a tank. Everybody was me, 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 like a bunch of kids in a VBS. And he said, hey, you two right there. He didn't pick me. He picked two other guys. He said, you got a license? You got a license? Drive this broom. I want you to sweep this this drill haul up, you know? I'm like, whoa, that was tricky. And, uh, and the guy that was sitting next to me, he leaned, leaned over and he said, hey, I forgot to tell you, you never, ever, ever volunteer for anything in the military. But you know what? That might be a mindset for the military, but for ministry, for this local church, we ought to have the mindset we volunteer for everything. Everything. Just be 
industrious. Blessed are the industrious. I'll give you some references. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, Paul says, We are laborers together with God. He says in 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 2, he says, And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer. He says in Philemon 1 and verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer. He just encourages all the time that ministry is work, and a good church member, you know what they do? They just go to work. They just do what they got to do. They got, they, they got to pick this up or get this done, and, and they're not always running to the pastor or so-and-so, and they are industrious. So point number one, blessed are the industrious. Okay, take your Bibles from here and turn to Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. And uh, we'll pick it up in verse number 13 there. Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And then he gives it an illustration. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Okay, point number one, blessed are the industrious Point number two, blessed are the insightful. You know what insightful people do? They figure out a way to get it done. They don't make excuses. And so uh, the Lord gives five talents to one, and what's he do? He goes out, man, he invested, and, and what? He doubles it. And so uh, would you say he's a good steward? Absolutely. And so the next guy has two, and, and boy, he goes out and he doubles it. Would you say that he was a good steward? But the guy that took one, one, which should have been pretty easy to double one, you know what he does? He goes out of fear and he hides it in the earth until the day of reckoning comes. And can I tell you, that is like a lot of Christians. We've been given the stewardship of the gospel. We've been given the stewardship of the ministry of the local church. And you know what most of us do? We bury it in the sand, but one day we're going to have to give an account but blessed are the insightful. Insightful people, they don't get hung up on the problems. You know what they do? They, 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 they move forward to a solution. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's all kinds of problems that pop up on a regular basis, you know, around Rican Baptist Temple and the church family and all different kinds of things. But you know what? Don't come to Pastor Springer or Pastor Forrester with all your problems unless you have first thought through a solution. Blessed are the insightful. When I was in my 20s, I was in the military, and when I got out of the military, I, I had the privilege of uh, being a glazer. I got hired on a small company, and I was a glazer. How many of you have ever heard that term before, glazer? 
Uh, Glazer's an old term. It's somebody that really, it's a fancy term that means you put in windows in commercial buildings. And so we would fabricate all the aluminum framing and then we would ship it out to a job site and we would erect it all. And the biggest building I worked on was a 55-story building. And then we would come back in and put the glass in and seal the building up. And it was a, it was a pretty neat job. We traveled all over the world doing that. And, uh, and I had a, I had a job, uh, that we were working on in Miami, Florida in South Beach. It was a Ritz Carlton Hotel. They had bought a 13-story building, and they were renovating that building. They were tearing out some of the old window framing and putting in new stuff. Well, the whole top three floors, it was an unusual building, was wrapped totally with tinted glass all the way around. And so we were to take that old window system out, and we were to use what we could reuse and re-anchor it back in. It was just kind of a renovation project. And I can remember being up on the 11th floor one day, and it was just a mess. I mean, if it could go wrong, it was wrong. The concrete that we were anchoring into was all crooked, and you're supposed to put windows in straight, and so if the concrete's not straight, you can't put your windows in straight, and everything was a mess. They were telling us to use the old materials. They didn't want to buy any more new aluminum or glass, so reuse everything that you can, and that's just really frustrating, especially when you're doing uh, some kind of work like that that's kind of finished work, and the guy that I was working for, he came up to the 11th floor, and uh, he was checking on things. He said, How's it going? I said, it's terrible. I said, man, we got a problem with this. The concrete's crooked. I said, the guys that put this stuff in the first time, man, they they didn't know what they were doing. They must have been masons, not glass men. They didn't know what they were doing. And so everything is crooked, and we got to reuse this, and guys aren't showing up, and this, and the breakers keep blowing, so we can't keep the extension cords going. It's just, it's just all a mess. There's all kind of problems. And he was kind of a rough guy. He was a hard-drinking man and a smoker, and he's just kind of been in the construction business his whole life. And he looked at me, and he said, anybody can be a problem finder. He said, what are you going to do about it? And he turned around and walked off. Well, I tell you, you know what my attitude was? I'll show you what I'm going to do about it. I'll pack my tools up and drive 10 hours back to Charlotte, North Carolina is what I'll do about it. That's what I was thinking. But you know what? As I just steamed down just a little bit, I thought, you know what? He's right. Anybody can be a problem finder. And, and you know what we need to do? It's just a mark of maturity to move from being a problem finder to being a problem what? Solver. Let's figure out how to get it done. Blessed are the insightful. Let's stop making excuses and just do what needs to be done. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 4, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Man, it's too cold outside. Man, I can't get out there and work. The slothful man saith there is a lying without me. And I can't go out there and work. You know how dangerous it is out there? And if we're not careful, we can always find an excuse to work around the problem or let the problem hinder us and stop us. But blessed are the industrious. They just work and they get the job done. And blessed are the insightful. They're not problem finders. Ultimately, they're problem solvers. You say, that's just not my personality. Well, guess what? You can change your personality. And so blessed are the insightful. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter 11. I love the book of Acts. If you really want to know how church works, just read the book of Acts. It's pretty amazing. Acts chapter number 11. And uh, we'll pick it up down in verse uh, number 19. 
Uh, the scripture says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen. Now Stephen preached, he preaches a barn burner in Acts chapter number 7. And you know how the crowd responds to him? They stone him to death. And uh, if, we're, if we're not careful as Christians, we'll judge the effectiveness of our ministry by the results of our ministry. And I'm saying our ministry because you have a ministry. You say, I'm not in the full-time ministry. I like what one guy said. Somebody said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm an ordained plumber. You know what that meant? He's going to reach people in his line of work that nobody else is going to reach. They're not going to come into this church. And so you're all in the full-time ministry. But sometimes we say, well, I would give more, but I'm not seeing good results. You know what you ought to strive for? Just be faithful. And so Stephen preaches and nobody gets saved, at least at least on the outwardly. And so uh, when he preached and he was persecuted and everybody scattered everywhere because of the persecution, look at the last phrase, they went out preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. By the way, you don't have to have a cemetery, a seminary degree to be a faithful, bright witness for the Lord Jesus. All you have to do is know what He's done for you. And so they went out preaching the Lord Jesus. Notice verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth, what's the name? Barnabas. Barnabas is an amazing study. His name means son of consolation. And uh, the scripture says about Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse 23 gives us some more details about this man Barnabas who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So, so blessed, number one, blessed are the industrious, those that are willing to work and get the job done. Number two, blessed are the insightful. They don't make excuses. They don't find problems. They fix problems. Number three, blessed are the inspirational. You know what Barnabas was? He was an inspiration. Uh, he was an encouragement to other people. I've heard of people say this before. Well, I used to go to church and I used to be faithful to the Sunday night service and the Wednesday night service, but, but I quit going because I quit getting a blessing. Well, why don't you come in church and don't worry about getting a blessing. Come to church and worry about being a blessing and, and being an encourager. Don't be somebody that lights up a room when they leave. Uh, say, well, here comes sister so-and-so. Here comes brother so-and-so. And Barnabas was just that kind of guy. The Bible says when he came, he, he had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would what? Cleave unto the Lord. You know what he did? He encouraged them to draw closer to the Lord and walk with the Lord. You could call that an inspiration. He was inspirational. Blessed are the inspirational. It's interesting uh, you could say that Barnabas was a blessing bringer. 
Uh, you could say that he was a uh, burden bearer in the early chapters of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4 specifically, you find Barnabas the first time. And you know what he does? He has a piece of land and he sells the piece of land. And whatever he makes on the land, it doesn't say how much. He brings every single bit of it and he laid it at the apostles' feet. You know why? He was a burden bearer. He helped to bear burdens. It's interesting to me. Uh, look at verse number 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas uh, to Sar Tarsus for to seek after who? Saul. Who's he going for? Saul. You know who Saul is? He's that guy that when Stephen was getting stoned to death, he was holding their coats. Hey, let me get that for you. Let me hold that for you while you pound his head in with a rock. Hey, let me hold your coat, you know. Saul was the guy that was there, but a couple of chapters later, you know what happened? Saul was traveling up and down the Israeli countryside, rounding up these new Christians that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was committing them to prison. And you know what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus? He met the Lord Jesus, and he got saved if it would have been 2022, I bet he would have got saved in a Ford. But he was in some kind of mode of transportation and he met the Lord and, uh, and he was converted there and his name would move from Saul to Paul and guess who wanted to fellowship with him? Nobody wanted to fellowship with him. They're like, nah, we ain't messing with him. We ain't messing with Saul. We know him. He's that guy that's been rounding all these Christians up. He's been throwing us all in jail, and we've been losing our jobs, and we've been hiding in the rocks because of this guy. Hey, I heard he might have got saved, but, I, but I'm not reaching out to him. You know what Barnabas was? He was a bridge builder. Uh, he was the guy that would look around in the church and say, okay, who needs to be encouraged? And nobody else would want to go talk to him or shake their hand or even see him and say a word to him. But you know what Barnabas would do? He'd get there early. He'd stay late. He'd look for somebody that he could build a bridge into their lives. And you know what? He was an inspiration. Blessed are the inspirational. Hey, if negative thoughts come to your mind about somebody or you're tempted to say something bad about somebody, just stop. Just put it away. Dead men, just remember, dead men have no resentments. Blessed are the inspirational. Are you an encourager or are you a discourager? Okay, let's go to another passage, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is commonly referred to as the Hebrew Hall of Fame or the Hebrew Hall of Faith, and it's full of people that we know about. I mean, we would say these are mighty giants of the faith, and the first one that's mentioned is Abel. He offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Abel is a picture of faith worshiping, and then you have Enoch. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God, and so you have faith walking, and then you have Noah being warned of God, of things not seen of yet, the flood. You have Noah. What, what was Noah famous for? He, he built an ark. The Bible says that he was also, Peter says that he was a preacher of righteousness, so the whole time he was building the ark, you know what he was doing? Hey, get right with God. Get right with God before it gets too late. And you know what the whole world said? Noah, you're a fool. Who's a fool now? And so Noah is a picture of faith 
working, just being faithful for year after year after year. And you know, he didn't reach a lot of people, but you know who he did reach? He reached his own family. And so Noah is a picture of faith working. In verse 8, you have Abraham. Oh, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Lost people know who Father Abraham is. You know what, Abraham, he's a picture of faith wandering because he went not knowing whether he was going. He didn't know where he was going to end up. And uh, he wasn't looking for a place as much as he was looking for a person. But he looked for a city. You have uh, his wife, uh, Faith Sarah. What was Sarah waiting for? She was waiting for the promised child. And so you have Sarah, who is faith waiting, and then it speaks of, about uh, Jacob and Joseph and, and Moses and, and Joshua. And these are people that we would be very familiar with if, you, if you've been in church any uh, length of time. But come all the way down to verse 36. I think this is peculiar. Uh, in verse 36, the first two words are, and others. So, so we know the Abrahams and the Joshuas and the Enochs and the Noahs, but these are people you'll never know their name. You'll never know their name. Now listen to this description. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. These would be first century believers that were persecuted uh, in a very harsh way for trusting in the Lord Jesus for salvation. Verse number 37, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Secular history uh, reports that Isaiah the prophet, when the Babylonians ransacked Israel, they took Isaiah the prophet and they turned him upside down. They spread him eagle and they sawed the man in half. Sawn asunder. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what some history tells us. The Bible says they were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Who says, sign me up for that? No, nobody wants that. You say, boy, they must not have God's blessing upon their life. Look at what the next verse says. The Bible says in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. Blessed are the industrious. Blessed are the insightful. Blessed are the inspirational. Blessed are the invisible. You say, what's that mean? Do you serve in this church to be recognized? If the only reason why you serve in this church is to be recognized, shame on you. Shame on you. You know what Jesus said about the Pharisees who serve to be recognized? He says, verily, they have their reward. And I can tell you, we've been in enough churches over the last 10 years, and I'm thankful, and I'm privileged to preach in any church that'll have us. But you know what makes any local church work? The people who serve behind the scenes, the people that vacuum the floor, the people that clean things up, the people that cut the grass, the people that teach Sunday school, maybe they teach kindergarten, maybe they work in the nursery. You say, what are their names? I don't know their names, but you know who does? God knows their names. And for all the ones that we do know, all of the Abrahams and Joshuas and Noahs, there are countless thousands that will never know their names. And you know what? They were willing to serve the Lord without any recognition but this and others. And there were some others. Blessed are the invisible. Are you willing to serve without recognition? 
Time fails me to address several other characteristics. Blessed are the indomitable. They never quit. Uh, Blessed are the instrumental. They're tools that God uses. Blessed are the intentional. They're on point and on purpose. But let's look at one more passage. Take your Bibles, please, and turn back with me to Romans chapter number 16. Romans chapter number 16. Paul signing off his letter, and uh, and no doubt when you read uh, Paul's writings, Paul loved people. He really did. He was willing to go out on a limb for people, and knowing it was going to get cut off, he was going to go out for on a limb for them anyway. And uh, and and that was his mindset of his ministry. He loved people, and so he begins to sign off his letter here in verse. One in chapter 16, he says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she has need of you, for she has been a succor of many, and myself also. Evidently, Phoebe was a real blessing to Paul. And, uh, and guess what? He took some time to acknowledge that. Hey, the people that have been an encouragement to you, whether it's been a parent, uh, teenagers, young people, you ought, you ought to be thankful for your parents and you ought to thank God for your parents and you ought to show gratitude to your parents more often than you do. When the flower of gratitude dies in your heart, you're hopeless. And uh, you can be thankful for something. And Paul expressed gratitude for people that were an encouragement to him. Hey, take a moment and say thank you to somebody for being a blessing. People were important. So he says in verse 3, he says, Greet uh, Priscilla and Achilla, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Now, this was a married couple. And uh, they served alongside of Paul. He says in verse 4, Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Evidently, there were some things that this married couple did for Paul that saved his life, because if they wouldn't have stepped in and helped him, then we might not have had as much of the Bible as we have right now. I don't know. But boy, he says, boy, make sure you tell them that I said hello. He says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Aphanatus, who is the first fruits of Archaea in Christ. So evidently in that region, he was the first person uh, to trust Christ. Greet Mary in verse number 6. Verse 7, it says, salute Andronicus. That's a good name. You ever met an Andronicus before? You know what it means? It means man of victory. Now ask myself that question, this question, did he get that name when he was born or did he get that name when he was born again? A man of victory. Isn't that neat? He says, uh, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are note among the apostles who were also in Christ before me, evidently. Uh, these people were saved even before Paul was. He says in verse 8, Greet Amphilius, my beloved in the Lord, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my, my beloved. Numbers were not the thing that was important to Paul. You know what was important to Paul? Names. All the individuals that made up that 
local church. All those that were industrious, all those that were insightful, that figured out a way to get things done, they were problem solvers. All the people that were a blessing and an inspiration. Paul's taking a little time and saying, hey, I appreciate that. All the ones that are named and unnamed, look at verse uh, number 12. There's lots of names here, but in verse 12, uh, salute uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Those were twin sisters. Uh, the, the name means luxuriating. And uh, the Bible says, who labor in the Lord. Uh, salute the beloved Perseus, which labored much in the Lord. Uh, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. You know what Rufus means? It means red. Maybe he was a redhead. I don't know. But that's what his name means. It means red, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. That's interesting. Uh, verse number 14, the Bible says, salute a syncretus. Now, that's a very interesting name. Uh, you see the word, if you drop the A off, you get the word syncretus. You know where we, we get our English word from that? Our word synchronize. It means to work together. Well, in the English language, sometimes if you put an A in the front of it, it negates it. And you know what his name means? Without compromise. Wow. Did he get that name when he was born or did he get that name when he was born again? Here's a guy, without Compromise. Then uh, it says salute a syncretist and phlegon. You know what phlegon means? It means on fire. And, uh, and maybe he's on fire for the Lord. Man, he's just telling everybody about the Lord. He's just doing whatever he can. He's like a Barnabas type two, and he's just doing everything he can to be a blessing. Uh, Hermas means messenger. Uh, you get down to verse 15, salute philologus. Boy, that's a, a good, good name. You see the word philo, that means brotherly love or it means love and then logos is word what does his name mean lover of the word man what a great guy i mean i like to have a friend like that you know he just had that testimony and julia and all these people uh, olympus he says in verse 16 salute one another with an holy kiss. Now, we don't have to make that personal application here, okay? And so a good handshake is fine here in the United States of America. But what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. Blessed are the industrious. Blessed are the insightful. Blessed are the inspirational. Blessed are the invisible. Those that are willing to work and serve and labor without recognition. And if you and I will build those four characteristics into our life and ministry, you know what folks will say? Blessed are the invaluable. Now what's the difference in valuable and invaluable? Valuable means it's worth a very high price. Invaluable, you know what that means? It's priceless. And, uh, and your pastor, your, your pastor has a very important and specific role in being the under-shepherd of this local church. Pastor Forrest has a very specific role in assisting the pastor in the ministry of this church. I'm not minimizing their roles or responsibility. Please don't think that I am. But do you know what makes this church work? You do. Uh, if, if this area is going to continue to be, to be reached with the gospel, it doesn't just fall on their shoulders. You know whose shoulders it falls on? It falls on your shoulders. You say, I've not been called to preach. Every believer has been called to reach. 
And we say, well, we pay people to do that. No, it doesn't work that way. And if this church is going to continue to have God's blessing, if this church is going to continue to be a light in this dark world, I'm telling you, we don't need any other churches that are closing their doors. And if the better days for this church are ahead of it and not behind it, guess what? There's going to have to be some people that are just willing to work. And I think there's probably some here already, but there's going to have to be people who are willing not to be critics, not to be problem finders, but step up and say, hey, I can fix that. I can solve that. Hey, when you come to church on Wednesday night and when you come on Sunday, pray this on the way. If, if, if you can be on praying grounds on the way to church in traffic, pray this on the way. Lord, show me somebody I can be a blessing to at church today. Show me somebody that I can encourage. Maybe there's been somebody visiting. Maybe there's somebody that's going through a hard time. Be an encourager and be willing to do all those things, whether your name is in the bulletin or over a door or on a plaque or not. Be willing to be in the and others category. I know we say sometimes a pastor will say, well, my church, or a church member will say, well, that's my church. Ultimately, whose church is this? This is the Lord's church. He's purchased it with His own blood. And you know what my job is? My job is to be a good steward, and my job is to make Him look good. Blessed are the industrious. Blessed are the insightful. Blessed are the inspirational. Blessed are the invisible. And if you'll work those things, blessed are the invisible. Valuable. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I have enjoyed spending some fellowship with you folks, and we're going to close in prayer and have.